Welcome to Something Positive for Positive People. I'm Courtney Brain. Something Positive for Positive People is a podcast at this point interviewing people who are living with herpes or navigating herpes stigma uh, just about their experiences. Uh, We interview people who are newly diagnosed, who've been diagnosed for a while, who might be entering the dating world again or for the first time in a really, really long time, uh, who might be opening their relationships up. Um, But overall, I mean, this podcast gives us insights to how we communicate about our sexual health. So today I'm here with Grace, who is 18 you told me so let, let's start with like you reaching out to me i'm i'm very much impressed with how quickly you were able to connect with me and how willing you were to uh be on a podcast episode especially so soon after your diagnosis you said you've yeah. been diagnosed for two months right yeah i was diagnosed on march 1st so it's been like just a little bit over two months um so, yeah. All right. And just what made you reach out? Let's start there. Um, I know, like, I've talked to a lot of other young women who do have herpes, and I've never, like, seen anybody, like, advocating or talking openly um, about having herpes, like, at such a young age. Um, so I felt like my perspective and my experience could be really helpful for other young people who have just been diagnosed with herpes. Yeah, I very much appreciate that because I think about, you know, you're, you're, you're half my age. I'm going to be 35 this year, basically. So to think about where you are in your diagnosis compared to what I was doing at age 18, like mm-hmm. I was such a kid, you know, I was in college playing football and like school was a priority and I was looking forward to being done with school so that I can make money and be an adult Mm -hmm. right where are you in just outside of herpes like mentally where are you in life at this point like are you in school are you working what's going on yeah so I'm um a student I go to college um out of state I have no idea what out of state means, like for you, because I don't know where you are, where you go. So share what you're comfortable with. Yeah. So I go to school about two hours away from um, where I'm from. Okay, there you go. (laughs) And, um, you know, I'm really involved, like, at my school. I'm in a sorority. Um, So I'm, I have like a lot going on outside of that. I'm a full time student. I'm majoring in elementary education so I actually finished this semester with straight A's congratulations that's amazing thank you uh are you is this your first year in college or your second year yep my first year in college all right congrats all right Mm -hmm. uh this is cool because you say you you have all this involvement you're a full-time student and you were able to get straight A's how Mm -hmm. has your herpes diagnosis if at all affected your ability to do your everyday things yeah So I know when I was first diagnosed, that's when I was going through my first outbreak. So I did miss about two weeks of classes. Um, And it really did affect like everything else that I did. Like I wasn't able to go to class and like keep up on my work. Um, You know, I wasn't able to go to sorority meetings and events and stuff like that. Um, 
so not being able to be involved in stuff like that, like physically and mentally was really hard for me. Um, like I was going through all of this at school in my dorm room alone. Like it was pretty rough, but mm-hmm. once I got back into those things that helped me really like get back to like normal life. How long did it take for you to get back into normal life? Uh, would it have been the two months or some time before that? Um, well, I knew like from the moment, like I noticed symptoms a few days before I even was able to get into the doctor. So like from the time I noticed, I knew exactly what it was. And I kind of started like doing a lot of research then and like, finding people that were like advocating for it and like talking about their own experiences and stuff like that. And I knew like from what other people were saying that I didn't want to like let it take a huge toll on me from the beginning because I felt like if I did, then later on I'd be doing all of this work um, that would be like much more difficult. So, I mean, I kind of tried to get back into things like right away. It was, it's still hard. It still was hard for a while, but I was able to kind of just keep pushing through it. Okay. And out of the advocates or resources that you found, what would you say has been um, most useful or like what led you to finding me? So I actually um, have met like other young women off of like TikTok and stuff. Um, And I actually, like, made a group chat where we can all talk to each other about it and stuff like that. And one of the girls sent me a podcast, and you were on the podcast. And I was listening to it, and I was like, wow, I really like what he's saying. Like, I kind of want to reach out. So, I did. Oh, I appreciate that. And it was This Podcast Will Kill You, their herpes episode, right? Yes, yes. Yeah, shout out to them. Oh, man, they were so amazing to work with. Um, Mm -hmm. Love them. Love the errands. All right. Uh, so you have a group chat with people on TikTok. Like, that's how you found yeah. TikTok? So I, I found them on TikTok, and then I kind of, like, I like befriended each other. Like, we'd be on, like, people's TikTok lives or, like, TikTok comments and stuff like that. Like, I would find, like, I wasn't seeking it out, but I would see, like, young girls commenting, like, I was just diagnosed. Like, I'm really struggling right now. Like, you know, stuff like that. And I was like, well, I have a group chat. Like, if you want to join, like, friend me, and I can add you to it. And I initially made it, like, when I met people, like, I made it as soon as I found out, really. And that really helped me. So I kind of made it as, like, support, I mean, for each other, but also I was getting a lot of the support. Okay. And now I feel like it's kind of, like, a different role. I'm, like, really comfortable in my diagnosis, but now I'm, like, helping girls who aren't as comfortable. Yeah. I'm, like, talking to them about it. First off, I'm shocked that this happened on TikTok, like, (laughs) all the places. TikTok is the new Instagram. Because, I mean, when I started the podcast, it was Instagram for me. And I, I do not like TikTok. I am very politely stating what I really want to say, but I don't care for TikTok at all. But I recognize how much of a necessity that it is. Uh, and it's annoying. But for you, I, I think about myself that 
when I was diagnosed at 24, right? It's been 10 years for me and I had no idea what I needed at 24. It took, uh, it took me until I was 27, 28 years old before I began to actually create the resource that I needed out of necessity. So for you, it kind of sounds like that's the same thing for you. Like you may not have known what you needed, but in being able to offer support to other people, that's been helpful to you. Is that accurate? Yeah, I think it's almost like healing for me um, to be like that person that was there for me and helped me go through um, and like learn more about the virus and stuff like that. So I feel like helping others is in a way healing for me and it makes me feel good. Yeah. All right. Well, that's, that's good. Um, I've noticed among other people who have started advocacy shortly after that diagnosis that maybe this was more of a coping mechanism for them. Like if they help other people with their diagnosis that then they don't have to deal with their own. So, and my question to you is, do you see any commonality there between, okay, I'm helping other people and avoiding helping myself or has it genuinely been helpful to you to help other people? If so, then how, like how is supporting other people healing for you? I think that like helping other people is actually helpful for me. Um, just because like we all talk about our own stuff. We all talk about our own experiences. Um, but being able to like have other people who might have a better understanding of what I'm going through, like with my age or like with my diagnosis, um, being a woman, like it's just stuff like that. Um, that kind of brings us together. So having like a sense of community is really helpful. You said it. I, I was leading to that. Um, it is definitely helpful to have a sense of community and people to ground you, you know, not just ground you, but hold you accountable. You know, like for me, running this nonprofit, running this podcast, yeah, I do it all on my own. But the people who come on as guests, the people who make donations, the people who contribute and say, hey, have you found this thing? Have you seen this? The people who make connections for me, uh, it feels like a community. Now, it's my community and it's kind of like a one on one with a bunch of individuals, but it's mm -hmm. not like the group where we each exchange resources and people are typically within the same uh, realm of how we view stigma and what we view as a solution to where we are at this stage of our diagnosis. I've just not had that. But from a one-on-one -on -one perspective, I very much feel supported and I feel like accountable. Like something positive for positive people would be like the hub slash group, but individuals are connected to that and then I'm connected right. to that. So it's like I'm pouring right. into something positive and I'm re, uh, I'm taking from it what it is that I need for my healing and other people are contributing and taking what they need from their healing. But there's no direct connection of community for myself. And that is probably one of the larger things that I struggle with in terms of getting the support that I need in order for herpes stigma to be more uh, dissolved than it is in healthcare settings, in individuals when they're diagnosed. Like the only reason that this doesn't have more of an impact is because of the, like the, the hiddenness 
of that sense of community. Like we know there's a herpes community out there, but everybody yeah. like follows a hashtag rather than actively connects with anyone who is open about their herpes page, uh, status on a page because people don't want for others to make that connection between them and this page. And it's it sucks because that's the one thing that's in the way but that's the thing that we need done in order for us to get to a place where this is more, uh, people are more aware of it and it's more accepted. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Oh, I thought you were going to, you looked like you wanted to say something, but I might've like started saying what you were going to say already. All right. <laughs> uh, so tell me what happened. Uh, give me a little bit of background around when you started seeing symptoms and, uh, what was going on for you around that time? Uh, relationship status, style, mm. all of that. So I was single. Um, you know, like I, I had casual sex, um, and I have like been ha- having casual sex for a while. Um, so this partner was somebody that I had only like this was the second time I had ever seen them, um, and exactly four days after um i had hooked up with this person i noticed um just very small painless bumps i have to ask a question did you use a condom i did not no okay i was just curious (laughs) no i didn't um but exactly four days later is my first ever time having symptoms um and I like noticed them immediately, like before it was painful or anything. And I just kind of knew that's, it was herpes. So, um, it really like progressed. Like my symptoms got worse very quickly. Um, so yeah, my first outbreak lasted like almost a month. Uh huh. I have, I have a few personal questions. You can mm-hmm. feel free to tell me to F off if you don't want to answer them. <laughs> Are you ready? Yeah. Okay. Yes. One question is, uh, had you two talked about STI status or testing at all? So actually, um, before the first time I'd ever, um, had sex with him, he asked me, he's like, well, you get tested, right? And I was like, yeah. And he's like, okay, so you're not dirty. I was like, no, I'm not dirty. And that's all the conversation was. So, mm-hmm. All right, so nothing's changed there. Like, more of the responsibility of initiating this conversation right. is, like, yeah. it, it's going to be on you. Because for him, it was just like, you don't got nothing? All right, cool. I won't get anything. Not, oh, I might have something. Let me go get tested. But for you, that was enough. That was the end of the conversation, right? Yeah, I really never had conversations like that with people. Um, and I'm not, like, blaming my sex education, but we weren't really taught to like talk to people about when when was the last time you were tested? Like, have you ever tested positive for anything? Stuff like that. Yeah. So I just was never really in the habit of doing that. Mm -hmm. Um, and I kind of felt like I was like immune to everything. Like, Oh, that won't happen to me. You know, to be young again. (laughs) Yeah. So I had never really like actually thought, about anything like outside of my own world like mm-hmm. oh nothing will happen to me like I've never had an STD before you know just all that stuff yeah well it definitely can happen to you if you're having sex like you're not 
special or you're not immune like it can happen to you yeah and then how old is he okay i don't know for sure but i he's he goes to my school i think he's like 22 maybe okay and the reason the reason that i asked about that is simply because uh i was wondering about like the quality of the conversation because age-wise i think that it's different from peer to peer like when you're in that same age window versus someone who might be more or more mature uh enough to initiate certain aspects of a conversation about it um but i I, that i guess that's it um how did he respond when you told him if you told him so that's kind of like a complicated question to answer so ooh, drama (laughs) well Okay, so I can never, I can and will probably never know for sure if I was um, given my HSV from him. Oh, okay. Um, so when I was first diagnosed, I went to, um, since I'm going to school out of state, I went to like the on-campus health place. So I was diagnosed by a nurse practitioner. And she, like I... After my diagnosis, I was talking to her, and I said to her, when she asked me if I had any questions, I was like, so how do I tell the guy? Um, And she was like, honestly, you don't. And she told me not to tell him and not to have a conversation with him about it. And for a bit, I was like, I don't know. Like, I knew that that didn't sit sit right with me, Um, but I did take, like, a week or two to kind of just like get myself together before I really had that conversation with him. Um, so like a bit later, you know, like a week or two after my diagnosis, then I, it was eating me alive. I was like, I have to say something to him. So I messaged him and I told him like, Hey, you know, I was just diagnosed with herpes. Um, my first ever symptoms were four days after we had sex. Um, and that was just like all I could even make out of that conversation. And he was like, oh, okay. And then like a couple weeks later, I asked him, Hey, are you planning on going and getting tested? And he told me no. I sent him like an article from like a trusted source, um, saying that, like, most people that have um, genital herpes don't know that they have it or have symptoms, you know, stuff like that. So I sent that to him. He said, okay, I'll get tested. Then I told him, let me know when your appointment is. Like, kept on dragging out. Then finally I was like, so when is your appointment? He told me it was this day. Then that day, like, I texted him how to go. He told me, I'm never talking to you about this again. Um... I'm about to start dating a girl, so we're not talking about it. And I said to him, I said, well, I I begged him to tell me. He refused. So then I was like, okay, well, I'm just going to let you know now. Like, I really do think you should be honest with her at least, whatever the result was. Um, and he said, don't tell me what to do with my relationship. And that was the last time we ever talked, so. I can never know for sure if it was from him, but based on his 
reaction, like his delayed response with going to get checked, like I can assume, but I can never really know. I've been making this face ever since you said uh, the nurse practitioner told you not to tell him. Yeah, I know. And after hearing what happened, my face stayed the same, but it's because, you know, maybe she was right because of how he reacted, you know? Right. And it really, I'm I'm speaking to more healthcare providers uh, recently. I've done a lot of interviews. I haven't uploaded any of these as podcasts yet uh, because I want to formulate a narrative here. And what I'm seeing is how stigma shows up from healthcare providers. And in that case, I don't know that it was ill-intended her mm-hmm. saying, hey, don't tell him. Yeah. But that I also don't think wasn't... that it was like her medical advice. I think she, I just was like, how do I tell him? And she was like, honestly, like if you're, if you think that he can't be trusted, if you think that, you know, all this stuff, which she's like, it could be a possibility because it does sound like it's from him. Um, she was like, then I wouldn't tell him. Mm-hmm. Wow. And I wonder if this will be someone who just goes on to act like it isn't a thing at all and hides it because I don't really, here's the thing. This is very interesting because I hear more from, uh, women who've had, uh, who found out that the guy they were seeing had been lying about it or just hadn't said anything or who doesn't talk about it. Uh, then I have men who've dated women who don't talk about it. And I don't know that this is necessarily a gendered thing, but I think there's something to be said for personalities uh, mm-hmm. and like a willingness or unwillingness to address this thing. Because right. so many of the herpes education, awareness, whatever advocates that are out there are women. There's myself, Rich, and uh, Pickering Fitness that I'm aware of who have pages that are open about herpes and I can think of about 20 to 30 women off the top of my head that I've seen throughout the course of these last seven, six, seven, six years that I've been doing the podcast. And I wonder if that's just what it is. If there's like something about, uh, our willingness to put these experiences out there to the world or even just to talk about it because it is a difficult thing to talk about and that's where the whole stigma comes in is because stigma will thrive in silence and so that man is stigmatized in a way that is very unhealthy it's very self-destructive and like I think a lot of men look at women and they're like oh you got it so easy dot 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 but it's like Actually, there are instances where uh, it's not the woman's fault in any way, shape, or form, but it could be like the man's fault in some ways. And I I use women and men here because, you know, what I'm, uh, where I'm, I'm using this as a generalization because this is who's dating who. I don't hear from many women who date women or men who date men. It's more so heterosexual uh, relationships. And so this guy who got this, uh, who possibly, I don't want to say in an absolute, who got this diagnosis will never be blamed by a man for his role in this. It'll be women going, oh, it's men like this. Or it'll be men being like, you know, women have it easier, you'll be able to date, you'll be fine. But, like, if 
those are the kinds of men that you're dating. Right. Is it really you know, easier for you, you know? I do think that that is like a common um, experience for like a lot of women. Um, like the girls I've talked to, a lot of them have said like the guy told them that he was going to get tested and it dragged on, never went, they stopped talking, never found out. Yes, that that is a thing. That is fairly mm-hmm. common. And here's where it just kind of becomes more of a burden on the women because now, right. like, you got to hold the person that you are wanting to have sex with a- accountable and say, hey, right. no, you get tested. Like, because right. I remember when I was that age, I didn't get tested because mm-hmm. what makes logical sense is that if I'm having sex with someone who has been tested and hasn't tested positive for anything, and I trust you to be honest with me about that, Mm -hmm. then I'm not exposing myself to anything. So if I ask every woman, hey, oh, you get tested, you don't have anything, great. If I'm asking y'all this, and I'm going down that line of 10 women, I'm probably not the only guy that they're sleeping with. So we repeat that cycle enough times, and there's going to be windows and overlaps where, yeah, you might have been tested, but you also might not have symptoms for something, and bam, now all of a sudden someone has something, and this is where that communication component comes in. Because you might have, had you known a little bit more about his sexual history, you might have asked more questions. You might have been more hesitant to move forward with him. And this is why something positive for positive people is so important. It's because it teaches these communication skills necessary in order for us to engage in discussions, not only about moving forward with someone sexually, but also knowing like how this person might treat you based on the dialogue exchange. Because right. if you were to ask a few more questions, you probably would have been like, ah, you know, I don't think I want to sleep with this person. Or you might not have if you like that toxic shit, and that's perfectly fine. <laughs> but <laughs> that's that's just a reality that we live in. Yeah. But to be able to have the communication skills necessary, you might have been able to um, have had him get tested. And then this yeah. would have been a completely different conversation. He probably would have just ghosted you if he mm-hmm. wasn't able to present you with uh, a negative STI test or uh, if he didn't want to get tested at all. He's like, oh, it's too much work. I don't want to deal with this. Right. And that's where we kind of go back into that avoidance stuff. Yeah, I just feel like it's really important for people to go and take care of their own sexual health because it affects any person they're sleeping with. But at the same time, like, we can't force anybody to care about themselves or others' um, sexual health. And it's it's a hard lesson to learn. It's a hard situation to be in. Um, you know, like, you can assume that you got something from someone. You'll, but if they don't ever get tested, like, there's never going to be maybe that feeling of closure, like, complete closure of them saying, I did test positive, I do have it. Um, but I think for a lot of us, that's just kind of part of maybe the experience, like part of the trauma with it. So I don't know, like I can't force him to care about my feelings, future partner's feelings, his own. So. Nope. And that is a okay because at the end of the day, you taking care of you, he's, yeah, he is, he's out there doing whatever. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, 
I, I do want to bring it back to the nurse because I'm, yeah. I'm very, I have very conflicted feelings about this. Like, yes, she was being a person, and I'm sure she sees on a regular basis, like, the consequence of someone being, oh, my God, he gave me herpes. I think I know who it is. I should tell him. And then she's just like, ah, I don't think that's a good idea because dot, dot, dot. But also, uh, healthcare providers are the initial touch point of STD prevention as well mm-hmm. as stigma. So you as a patient coming in, you're getting treated, the way that she's communicating with you is going to influence, like imagine if you were someone who was like, oh my God, I don't want to tell anybody this. Oh, no, don't worry about it. You don't have to. Thanks. I'm never going to tell anyone. And you would have essentially gotten permission from this healthcare provider while the context was you don't have to tell this person. You know, someone who's as vulnerable as someone is during a new diagnosis and processing that might have heard, oh, I don't have to tell anyone because my doctor said it or this my nurse said I don't have to. Right. So uh, I want to be very clear here in that do what you want to do. You know, I don't tell people what to do, but to think about the majority of people that I talk to don't know where they got the herpes from. They have an idea, but it's not like they consented to a relationship, moving into it, and then got herpes from the relationship, knowing that the partner knew they had herpes. Like That's a very rare conversation that I have with people. But for the most part, it's uh, I think what that speaks to is the quality of a person's mental health as they go forward uh, into looking for resources, if they even need them. Um, yeah. Because if you don't know where you got it from, you're probably a little bit more all over the place. And there's so many layers of the shock there and the trauma that occurs that it's completely different than if you do know. I may not talk to 99.9% of the people who know because, you know, this was a choice that they made. And I think that when we are not empowered or when we are disempowered by losing our choice... That's when I start to hear from people and the people that I hear from are typically in the worst shape uh, mentally, emotionally. And this is caused by just the misinformation being received or people's just avoidance of wanting to have hard conversations and people like the guy that you saw, like because of him. I am not going to ever run out of uh, people who come in who are newly diagnosed with herpes and want to talk to me. That is definitely a good point to make. Um, I also do think it's really important that people know, like, a lot of times people, like, people are getting it from others that don't disclose, don't know they have it, don't accept that they have it. So I think, you know, like, the hate towards people that do come out and say, yeah, I have herpes, are generally not the ones that are spreading it. And if they are, it's with consent. But going back to the nurse practitioner, um, I don't think that they had ever really diagnosed anyone with herpes before. Oh, that is very important information. Yes. So (laughs) this was actually, like, I was, like, probably one of the only people that's ever gone there for this. So this is my school's um, testing place. I have really bad, like, I don't have a doctor there because I'm going to school out of state. And... I also had like a really bad experience with an urgent care. So I knew I wouldn't go there. I knew that wasn't a possibility. So I did go to the on-campus. I don't really know what it's called. Like the on-campus health place. It's like a clinic. Yeah. University clinic. 
Right, the university clinic, yes. Thank you. So I had already really known I had it, but I was scared, like terrified to actually have to face that, like face somebody telling me, yeah, it's genital herpes. So when I was first, like I first went in and I talked to the RN and she was like kind of just like, she's like, okay, so what's going on? Like, and I told her, um, I'm having like some weird symptoms. I have bumps, I have sores. And she just looked at me, okay, so you think it's herpes? And I was like, can you, I said to her, I was like, you know, I really need compassion right now. Like, I would really appreciate if I was like receiving, you know, some kindness and respect from. Did you, did you say that you out loud? Know? Yeah. I asked her to like, you know, respect me, like not talk to me like that. You know, like it makes me feel uncomfortable. This is really like uncomfortable experience to be going through. And after that, she was like, oh yeah, I completely understand. Like, and after that, like her and the um, nurse practitioner, when I met with them were really kind to me. Like they're really mindful, like, oh shit, like this girl's probably going through it right now. Like maybe we should have some compassion. So yeah, then I met with the um, nurse practitioner and it really wasn't like a bad experience necessarily, like the way I was treated, but the way they went about things was like not okay. So they are like talking to me and stuff, like talking to me about my symptoms, talking about like my last sexual partner and stuff like that. And they're like, okay, so we're going to do an exam. And I told them before they did the exam, I said, okay, I do want to ask like that I'm not told like it looks like herpes or it is herpes while you're doing an exam on me because I'm already going to be in like, Very you vulnerable know, space, yeah. A, vu- a vulnerable position, a vulnerable space. So being told that while I'm, you know, would make me feel like very down, pretty uncomfortable. And I explained that to them, they respected that, and they did, like, probably, like, a 15, 10-second exam on me. Then let me get dressed, came back, and they're like, yeah, so it is herpes. And I was never swabbed, I was never tested or anything during this experience. And I know she came back in, the nurse practitioner, came back in holding, like, a bunch of, like, health, like, textbook-type things. So from that, I can kind of tell, like, I don't think she's really necessarily experienced this before. She, you know, doesn't probably know much about it. Um, So I should probably get, like, a second opinion, you know, stuff like that. Um, And she told me, like, I'm going to have to have a C-section when I have kids, all this stuff. And I said to her, I was like, but I would only need a C-section if I had an outbreak, right? And she told me no. So that's when I started crying. That's when it was bad. But, yeah. You must go to school in the South. I'm going to just assume that it's a Southern (laughs) state. That is my assumption. You don't have to tell me if I'm wrong. I'm going to ride. I'm riding it out. (laughs) Um, This really makes me think that talking to, like, college campus clinicians, is something in my foreseeable future. I don't know exactly Mm -hmm. what that looks like. Because, like, colleges don't want to pay somebody to come in and talk about sex. Like, sex is clearly happening on college campuses. 
But the way that this, the way that this was handled, you know, they absolutely need practice taking a sexual history. And my whole thought process was, all right, I want to do this for every healthcare provider and organization, like give them practice taking a sexual history, but maybe, you know, maybe going to where, you know, there's most likely to be, um, more of a need for it you know where are there communities of people who are having sex and multiple partners uh and there's just like a constant flow of that on college campuses and people are going to see these healthcare providers and it would be nice if people who are younger were able to access some genuine you know good resources so that when they do go out into the world later you know they're able to not have so much internalized stigma themselves um and then support group wise like i know you're doing tiktok uh like group text or whatever are you open to or willing to potentially do something like for your sorority or for your college campus to put on something like a support group that is for uh, a much larger audience um i definitely feel drawn to doing that i I know that I really want to be able to like help people um, with their herpes diagnosis, um, but I don't know. Like right now, I think that scares me a lot, just because like being so open about it. I don't care about like how my friends view me, how strangers view me, you know, stuff like that. But my family, I don't know if they really. I don't know how my family would really react to that. I know my mom knows, and she, you know, like respects me, but it's kind of something that like we don't talk about yeah well that's something i would be absolutely glad to help with i'm sure i'd be able to like get resources and connections or funding for something like that um if you want to do like a college support group for and it doesn't even have to have herpes associated with it yeah um if there's somebody that we can talk to together and like i can say hey this is what i do and this can be more about uh, sexual health communication. I'm sure there might be like an outreach or consent or sexual assault type organization on your yeah. campus. It would be like those kinds of people. Like I'm happy to right. support people in learning how to talk about their sexual yeah. health and navigate. Uh, like what I do is the Stars Talk. One of my board members, Dr. Evelyn Dacker, created, and we're finding that it's more than just useful for adults having sex, but also uh, teaching youth about sex and guiding them along the process of not only talking about sex and sexual health but also their boundaries their relationship intentions and how to have healthy relationships and being able to identify abuse so these are all very much things that uh, something positive for positive people can support you Mm -hmm. in and you don't have to say hey I have herpes and this is what I'm here for like if that's something you feel called to do absolutely go for it but um, overall, like this is you're supporting a sexual health communications resource by sharing your experience. And then if you want to do this, you know, offering support, then by all means, like I'm, I'm absolutely happy to support you in that. Mm-hmm. I would appreciate that a lot, actually. That definitely interests me. So we should talk about that. Okay, perfect. Uh oh, something positive for positive people coming to a college near you, baby. Uh, you know, I kind of envisioned something like that for myself, like not necessarily living in one place, but like just traveling around and 
doing yeah. herpes, I guess, related stuff. Um, but more on the medical side now. But if I can, like, let this support group type thing for people in person right. who are genuinely passionate about it, like, I would love to be able to support herpes education awareness advocates. And I think, uh, wow, I'm going into a call right after our interview, actually, that I might be able to present this in. So let me write that down before, yeah. Oh, shit. It is like divine timing of things that's been happening lately. Like between you reaching out to me, what was that, yesterday? Yeah. Yeah. Because I scheduled this call a couple of days ago, and then you reached out to me yesterday. We're doing the interview today. This is, like, just magically happening. So, you know, thank that dude for putting yeah, us in this situation. Right? Because, <laughs> I mean, yeah, like, I, not to say anybody, nobody wants herpes. Like, I can be real yeah. about that. But for this to have, for you to have had the response that you have, like, I'm actually shocked. Like, I'm very impressed. Um... I'm very much appreciative of, you know, you being willing to reach out and share your experience yeah. and also spark up this idea for talking yeah. to clinicians at colleges. Um, mm-hmm. So I guess like before I just keep rambling, is there anything that you uh, want to be sure to say? Are there any questions that you have for me before we start to wrap this up? Oh, I don't really think so. Can't really think of anything. Okay. Well, we will absolutely stay in touch. I'm very much looking forward to uh, potentially working with you on this. And um, whatever we need to do to get the ball rolling, I'm here. Perfect. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Um, You can stick around for a little bit, and we can talk a little bit after. I'll go ahead and close this out. Uh, That concludes this episode of Something Positive for Positive People. Please like, rate, review, share, subscribe to, and donate to this organization um as you just heard we're really being heavier on the sexual health communications component i do believe that integrating our lived experiences after a diagnosis into std prevention efforts is going to be the way that we begin to destigmatize stis and getting stis in general while also equipping ourselves with enough uh communication tools to Uh, have healthy conversations about relationships, dating, uh, long-term, short-term sexual goals, as well as uh, uh, STI status and testing. So this is really useful. And while we're not offering therapy anymore, I still have the connections I have, and I would be able to recommend a therapist to you if you are seeking someone who is able to speak the language of someone who has been newly diagnosed with herpes. All right. I'll catch y'all next time. Thanks.